sometimes you just feel tired, feel weak. And when you feel weak, you feel like you wanna just give up. But you gotta search within you. Try to find that inner strength and just pull that shit out of you. And get that motivation to not give up and not be a quitter. So I collapse, I'm spilling these raps Long as you feel them to the day that I drop You'll never say that I'm not killing them Cause when I am not, then I'm Sometimes you just feel tired, feel weak, and when you feel weak, you feel like you want to just give up, but you got to search within you, try to find that inner strength, and just pull that shit out of you, and get that motivation to not give up, and not be a quitter, no matter how bad you want to just fall flat on your face. So I collapse, I'm spilling these raps, long as you feel them to the day that I drop, you'll never say that I'm not killing them. What's going on, guys? It's a Drop the Gloves radio on WCUG 88.5 FM Cougar Radio. I got my co-host Thrift Behringer here, and of course, we here, your host, Wendell Barfield. God, do we have a bunch of get, get into today. Us hyping up Michigan last week, or two weeks ago, I should say. You saw Mad Dog. Yeah, Mad, I say Mad Dog's Mad probably Dog, letting, hey, look, giving it to us right now. Mad Dog was ready. What hey. else we got to get into? I don't know. I mean, I guess basketball with Markel Fultz, things like that. Auburn uh, reports coming out. Gus Malzahn. How about your boy Dwight Howard? No, not. We're not talking about that. That's nonsense. I don't even know why that's a story. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, but reports though, the serious reports though, out of Auburn, Gus Malzahn possibly right. losing his Go job, ahead. and uh, like SEC championship game and championship weekend, basically, and that's uh, pretty much it today. And as you can tell, we are very late just because of Thrift Behringer, him it. and his late ways, uh, getting the Facebook Live ready like always, trying to work on this old computer, but also being late. That does not help. Always need, need to be on time. Know where his priorities are. Uh, clearly not here with us today, but that's okay. I can care. He's, he's going to tell me. You've he's done a tell, job. He's going to tell, tell me to run the show by myself. Are you kidding me, Thrift? And it went to, uh, you option. think I'm calling Cowherd or uh, we're live on Facebook, by the or way. Or Dan guys. Patrick, I guess Dan Patrick doesn't do him by himself. No, but. he's got the, he's got Cowherd really does it either. He's looking at um, Joy Taylor, Joy Taylor now, which was Christine Lee. What happened to her? She has her own show now, Fair Game. It's just like an interview show. It's pretty good. I'm weak. She got a show from the Lavar Ball interview. No, yeah, that's the only reason she got a show. Why else would she get a show? You listen to Christine Leahy for analysis on games? I mean, I look at her. <laughs> exactly why. Yeah, you know what? I'm not even going to go down that road. She's uh, a very good sports reporter, and she did a very good job in Boston when she covered the Celtics. We're waiting for more people to join in with us. It is a uh, cold, misty Monday uh, night, Monday evening here at the WCUG Cougar Radio Station. A lot we're going to be getting into, the Michigan debacle and how me and Wendell bloviated Dead them for, for four weeks. They just, they get you know, slopped around and embarrassed. I mean, just one of the more embarrassing performances I've seen from a hype game 
in a long, long time. Um, getting to that, Georgia plays Alabama. We're getting a little bit of that preview. We'll talk more into that in detail with that on Wednesday. Um, Dwight Howard, I, I put that in there as a joke, but we will touch on it just a little bit because uh, that's Wendell's favorite player. Uh, Falcons should tank. Joke of a team. DeAndre What's Baker, up? get DeAndre What's Baker, up, Clay? please. Guys, please comment, share the video. Thank y'all for being part of it. Falcons should tank the rest of the season. I, I, I put that in there, and we're going to get in the state of Auburn program moving forward. Um, Shout also, out, Mad Dog. You're right, of course. Yeah, I should have known. Should have known not to put any sock into uh, into Michigan. Um, but I guess the first thing we'll go is is with the uh, Michigan Wolverines. What happened in Ohio State? Um, what is that notification? Oh, uh, a like. Okay. Mad Dog just liked us. Okay, Thanks, Mad cool. Dog. That's new. Yeah. And why it's making a noise like that. I didn't yeah. I, we don't turn that off. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah. Dwight Howard is in a Hall of Famer at Wendell. Thank you, uh, Clayton Shirley. Guys that are joining us, thank you for joining us. Please share the video, like leave a comment, be a part of the best pound for pound sports talk show around. Talking about what happened in Columbus, Ohio. I thought the game was thoroughly dominated by Ohio State's offense the entire game. They were never slowed down, stopped pushed around at all. They thoroughly did whatever they wanted to the entire game. Uh, they were able to run the football. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was able to throw every part of the field. And we're talking about how Michigan has one of the top pass defenses in the nation. Number one defense in the country. Number one defense in the country. Top pass defense in the country. And they just get obliterated. Uh, embarrassing. Embarrassing performance. Um, I haven't remembered something like this in a long time where at least like when you're talking about the Auburn-Alabama game, you know, the 13 and 17 game, and even Georgia Alabama, when they hype these games up, uh, it's hard for me to realize games like this. And Mark Rick used to have a lot of these games, if you remember in his career. Remember for 2012, sure. five versus six Literally on think the of road. Any big game ever. On the road in South Carolina. Uh, Georgia fans, I know Paul Adreesen's joining us. Paul, thank you. Friend of the show, your friend of mine. He also hosts his radio show up in Athens as well. Cool. Um, remember, 2012. All at Georgia's number five, uh, South Carolina number six, thirty-five to seven. I mean, it was, it was one like of, twenty-one to nothing in the first five. I mean, minutes was, of the game. was that game over with? The game was over with before it after, started. Yeah, before the first quarter. And then what made things worse was at least Jim Harbaugh showed in motion. Mark Rick just sat there, <laughs> just sat there with that face, and I know that irked all the Georgia fans. But that's what it reminisces and makes me remind me of um, with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, same thing when he. Two years ago, you know, they lost a close game that which a lot of people said that they didn't get it on fourth down Ohio State, that they cheated a win in 2016. What is your thought of the game? Uh, I was completely wrong. I thought it was going to be a close game. Didn't think th- this was the last option I would have picked is blowout. Or especially no, like wait, no, 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 no. I'm going to actually give myself credit. I completely forgot. Did I not say Mich- this game's going to go one of two ways? Michigan's going to blow out Ohio State, or Ohio State's going to blow out Michigan. You did say that. I do did I not that. say yeah, that? I agree. Yep. Because sure either did. Ohio State's going to play out of their mind, or they, they were going to get outplayed by Michigan and quit because the way the season's gone and playing overtime with Maryland. And what happened? I'm going to give myself credit. Go ahead. Well, basically, I, it, I don't know why Jim Harbaugh, how he can continue to run this offense in college. Like, I know the Big Ten, a lot of Big Ten schools run it like Wisconsin, but that goes to show you how well they did this year with a Heisman hopeful running back in Jonathan Taylor. They're running a 1950 offense. I mean, it's run the ball, 
long, and then it's a play action pass that's long developing. They can't get anything going. This is NFL twenty years ago. Yeah, I mean, th- this stuff doesn't work anymore. I mean, look at Ohio State; they're throwing the ball all over the place. They're getting the ball to different people, and I mean, they have five star athletes at wide receiver in Michigan. They don't. I feel like they hardly get them the ball. I feel like Donovan Peoples Jones hardly gets like hardly gets the ball. Hey, they have a ton of athletes. They have a ton saying. of athletes on the outside, and they just don't get them the ball. And it's just a lot, a lot of long. Uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Just long drawn out plays, pretty much of of running the ball, running the ball, and then play action they pass. They want to dominate ball. time of possession. Yes. They want to be able to run the football and do play action pass. But if and you have, have slip up twenty eight fourteen type game, and no one's doing that nowadays. And Even it, Stanford's doing up tempo and scoring thirty eight forty five points a game when they're at their peak with Christian McCaffrey. Exactly, and he coaches like he's in the fifties as well. Like that stuff just doesn't work anymore. Maybe it works in the NFL. I mean, it probably. I mean, some of that stuff does work in the NFL. That pro style. Offense, but Georgia runs the pro style offense. Alabama runs the pro style type type of offense, but they incorporate spread type of uh, spread concepts within their offense and things like that. Moving right. the ball downfield, getting the ball outside, not just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and then a, a, a quick pass or just a deep ball every single time. It, it, that stuff just doesn't work anymore, and that's that's kind of like what, what the game was indicative of of for Michigan to do throughout this entire game. Yeah, it, it just didn't work, and it's not going to work. And I just think they has to change it up and maybe get like a. Guy like Cliff Kingsbury, who's actually uh, rumored to go to, with Mac Brown in North Carolina, but get a guy like that that's young, youthful, and knows how to, to play an offense that's uh, I think up he, tempo and can uh, to get the ball down the field in a hurry. I think he had his guy in Dan Enos, and he decided totally to go agree. to Alabama because I thought Dan Enos would have done that exactly what he's doing with Tua. And it's not like Dan Enos is there. It's not like Dan Enos's uh, offense is that is really that complicated. It's get the ball in the middle of the field, get the ball outside. He made Brandon and Alston Allen yes. look almost all conference. That's all I need to hear. And, I mean, it's not like these reads and things for Tua are, I mean, are that, like, earth-shattering. I mean, there are RPOs, slants, posts over the middle. It's easy read stuff just to read the linebacker. It's not, like, overcomplicating things. And you have the same athletes as Alabama. Maybe not as many, but, I mean, you have some. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand why Jim Harbaugh won't change, and I guess he's just stubborn, and maybe he thinks he's going to have to win. He's going to have to do what Nick Saban did this after winning a national championship: upgrade his offense, upgrade his staff. He reinvented. Oh, we got a phone call coming in. Cam Baker, appreciate you, Cam, calling me. Sure, that was Cam. <laughs> Brody, bro, <laughs> I'm weak. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Uh, Jim Harbaugh in his 1950s coaching style. And what what was I literally just saying about Ohio State though? Them about moving the ball and things like that. I think that's what you were getting. I can't remember anyway, now. Move on. That <laughs> uh, call just blew my mind because we got to have a game or was going to have a game tonight, but no way I can make Harbaugh it. to the Browns. No, I don't think Harbaugh gets. It. I think he wants to stay at Michigan and he wants to get it figured out. I do think after this past weekend, Brian Kelly is going to move on from Notre Dame because they're going to get demolished by whoever and, they and this, play in the and, playoffs. And I want to get into that, too, just because I, I want someone to blow them out so bad. that Because I don't think they deserve to be in the playoffs, to be honest with I you. I want them to get blown out so bad that now they're going to get treated like UCF because they don't play in a, a big enough conference or they don't play in a conference in general. Why should Ohio State and Oklahoma both be not in the playoff if I they're playing why, an extra Why should game? Georgia and Alabama play in the uh, a SEC championship game? Why should they play? Yeah. I mean, why should Clemson play Pittsburgh? I mean, what's the point? That's, I just hope they get blown out so bad that you saw Pittsburgh lost to Miami. That yes. division seven and five. Georgia Tech beat Miami what the week before, and they're going to still keep Paul Johnson, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to keep Paul Johnson. They kept him. They signed him to a contract last year for an extension to like twenty twenty three. So, 
Georgia, Georgia Tech, it was complete domination, uh, as expected. Um, honestly, I thought it may be close only because I was hearing that there wasn't a lot of fans at the game. It was a poor show out for the dog walk. I mean, it's a 12 o'clock noon kick. It was actually great. The dog walk was actually pretty good. Well, I'm, this is coming from your own writers on 247, That's, so take it, it up fine. with them. I mean, I was there. It was fine. Okay, but they're they're saying they were worried because it's the worst they've seen in several years. It's fine. Second. Cold uh, and wet game. That's fine. Early game as well. Second. Uh, let, let's think about this. 12 o'clock noon kickoff, 0-2 the last two times you played in Athens, 2016-2014. So that's going in the back of my head and that you may overlook them for Bama next week, but none of that happened. Complete total domination. Fromm looked good, even though people were saying he threw it all over the field. I mean, threw for 175 yards and four touchdowns. He had, he had three or four NFL throws, though, I could you could say. He was throwing the ball well, even though he didn't throw it a ton. Yes, I agree with that. Good, luck on, good luck on Alabama. That's fine. Um, but <laughs> Paul Johnson needs to be fired from Georgia Tech solely because... I agree with everything that Josh Pate said, and I've said this. You're in Atlanta, Georgia, and you're telling me you can't even get some four or five stars that are coming out of that area. Here's the problem. They could be what Clemson is in the Coastal Division, what Miami should be, uh, what Virginia Tech should be. All these teams, Georgia State, Virginia Tech, Miami, there's no reason. Or a perennial nine-win team. Why they shouldn't be nine or ten-win teams every year, especially Georgia Tech. And the area they're in at Georgia, just scraping up the leftovers from Georgia alone would be in the ACC a 9 or 10 win team every year. The only problem with Georgia Tech switching now, if you switch, just say you get the Clemson offensive coordinator, just for say he comes in. The only problem with that, you might be looking at 0-12, seasons at Georgia Tech just because of the guys, because they solely recruit guys to play in that triple option offense. I mean, their their biggest offensive lineman is like 280 pounds. He goes after three stars, two stars that no one hears and, about. And they're just a bunch of small guys that know how to cut block, know how to run the triple option or have – some type of uh, experience within an option offense that that was pretty much in high school offense at this point. Were there any point in that game that you thought, I'm kind of worried? No, there's not. I mean, the the biggest person on their defensive line is 252 pounds. Georgia averages 325 pounds on the line, and this is their third and fourth string offensive lineman that they're playing at this point. Some of them, anyway. There's some starters. Yeah, there's but, no chance they're getting any type of pressure. But there's no the there's no type of movement or getting to the quarterback or even stopping the run. Yeah, they stopped the run a couple times, but they're loading the box. And, and, and like I said on offense, it, it would take two to three or four years. I mean, it's a three to four year rebuilding job at Georgia Tech if you want to switch an entire offense. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to rec- like overhaul the recruiting. I agree, Mad Dog, but as Josh Pate said and, and many others, Stanford... And Notre Dame were top academic institutions. It's as harder well. to get into Stanford than Notre Dame, and, and they're, they're, they're still able to find ways yeah. to win because they have the right guy. I, I do agree that it's going to be hard finding a top-notch coach, but anybody's better than Paul Johnson. You tell me, Brent Venables, Chad Morris, even a Gus Malzahn, anybody like that, the lower-tier coaches, they couldn't come in at Georgia Tech and win. Like Gary I, I, Patterson, I, I personally think they could. I'm just saying it was. It's going to take time just because of the guys you have in there now. Like you're not gonna be able to run those offenses with 275 pound offensive linemen. It just wouldn't happen. And Georgia Tech's always going to be a, a crap of yeah. a program, and they're never going to mount anything in any sport, let alone football and basketball too. And then they're still paying Paul Hewitt, Brian Gregory's still getting paid. Both of them are fired. They got Josh Pastner, who's overrated, overpaying him. You got Paul Johnson, you're overpaying. So apparently they they got the money and they do care. They just want to keep things the way they're going because they don't have to worry about you know expanding their horizon when it comes to academics and allowing better 
athletes in that may not be able to meet their institution requirements on grade-wise. If if that's the case, then you're right, Mad Dog, but that needs to be changed institutional, and that means athletic director needs to come down and put his foot down. They need to change the whole aspect of it, but... If you're telling me the president doesn't want that, then Georgia Tech's I mean, always going to suck. Yeah, I mean, yes, they. that's fine that they put academics first. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't tell me that they can't find some type of players in the state of Georgia. I mean, like Taquan Marshall, I mean, I personally know him, a great athlete. Like, you're telling me you can't put those guys out in wide receiver and find some guy that can't throw the ball like a, um, I forgot the guy's name up at Washington State, like a three-star recruit. Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Gardner Minshew. Like, like, you can't find those type of players. Like, I mean, yeah, they might not have the, I mean, Obviously, you have to have the grades to get in. Like, you can find these guys somewhere. Like, Stanford clearly does it, and Notre Dame clearly. I mean, Notre Dame probably focuses more on sports a little bit, on the football a little bit more than probably Georgia Tech does. But I think they can – yeah, Calvin Johnson's parents were doctors. That's the reason he went there, and he was forced to. But, I mean, you can find these scrappy athletes or athletes in the state of Georgia that Georgia, Auburn, in the South Carolina, or Alabama right. doesn't get. Like they, you can find players. I find it hard pressed that the only way to win at Georgia Tech right now because of their limitation the academics is triple option. That's nineteen forty five. I don't believe it. It's a high school offense. Another thing I was disappointed in this past weekend is Washington State. Really high on him and Mike Leach, Gardner Minshew. I thought he would get invited to the Heisman Trophy. I thought this was the best coaching job Mike Leach has done, going back to even his Texas Tech days in two thousand eight. And yet I was proven a reason why he would never win in the SEC when. You allow weather at home to affect how you call your game and affect your style of play, and then good luck winning in the SEC because an environment and weather and defenses that are going to have elite athletes all over the field. Like If they're struggling with Washington athletes, and Washington is a good team, what do you think they're going to do with Georgia and Alabama athletes? So if he came to a, a school like Auburn and he recruited the way he recruits, which is not at a high level, I just I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe his style doesn't work because it seems like every year, just like with Ohio State, look, Washington State's lost to Washington the last six years. It's Chris Peterson owns it's kinda, it. It's kind of like Chris Peterson. It's kind of like Jim Harbaugh and this is and an Urban average Myers. team in Washington, and they're going to go to the Rose Bowl because they're going to beat Utah. I've, I was disappointed in that. What anything else? I'm kind of disappointed. With Clay, nothing Leach can actually coach in the SEC. I think it would take him maybe a couple years just for him to learn the South. And that would be his problem, kind of recruiting no, down in the I, south. I, I wanted him to come. I think he would be a great hire for Auburn. But it seems like when it comes to elite defenses that have a lot, can get pressure from the quarterback from the inside defensive line without sending a lot of pressure, and have speed on the outside, quarterback wise, like Bama, like Georgia, just like LSU, like Florida, what happens with him? But I, I they struggle. I personally think. If he actually was able to go to a big time school, he could actually recruit at a higher level. Yeah, this is Washington State, so I do so, agree. So he's probably, but he's at home though. That's he why has it was lower talent. Yes, he's. You I mean, agree that was disappointing? Yes, it was a disappointing for law. sure. I mean, they're in a they're a top forty recruiting class every year. It seems like at Washington State now with Mike Leach there. I think if you give him an opportunity at Auburn, he can get a top ten recruiting class. I mean, I think he could win. And it's and it's hard to like. It's so hard to be the coach at Auburn because you you're obviously held up to like you got to beat Alabama and you got to beat Georgia now. I mean, you have to beat these teams year in and year out, and you have to play them every single year. So it's hard to sit here and say, well, if they can win the big game, can they win the big game? I mean, yes, I'm sure they can, but it's 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 going to take time, and it have to be a certain like a certain year when you beat them, when you have a bunch of upperclassmen like Auburn did last year, um, and having a great generational talent like Carryon Johnson, and having uh, Jared Sidham have a good year last year, even though he's not having a good one this year. Uh, 
I th- and keep Auburn's defensive staff and let Leach have his offensive staff. And I think Auburn will be fine. Yeah, I agree, Clayton. I totally agree. I think if he can get like a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, Minshew in there and and be able to throw the ball what around. What would he do with run, Jared Sidham? Is he not similar to Gardner? I, I totally agree. And I think Jared Sidham hurts by not having a run game this year. I mean, you can clearly tell he's Honestly, having to throw the that, ball a lot more. And then, but not just throw the ball. He's throwing the ball in passing situations where there is no you know intermediate route to see their screen or throw it 100 miles an hour. In the A&M game, when you were letting him throw intermediate routes and throw the ball to the field and throw it 15 and in, he was doing fine. He, he did that against Alabama and play up-tempo. Who knows what he's able to do? Quick throws? It's, in, it's outside of Malzahn, and I'm going to get into that. I think Ryan Davis is I'm a great player, that. but a screen pass to Ryan Davis four it's times. It's not going to work anymore. It doesn't work in the and SEC. And I can't wait to get in that game. Another thing I was disappointed in is Clemson's defense. You cannot put them in the category of Alabama – if you give up 500 yards passing to Jake Bentley at home and five touchdowns, good luck stopping offense. I think you're going to struggle and you're going to give up points to Pittsburgh. Good luck stopping Oklahoma, and you're going to be lucky because you're going to play Notre Dame, which you're better than, so you're going to beat them because they're better talent, but then you're going to play Alabama in the national championship and get beat by 30. I, I, I was really thoroughly disappointed in their defense. Anything else this weekend you were disappointed in? I mean... Nothing really. I mean, maybe maybe the Michigan thing because I was kind of hyping them up and I was kind of hoping Jim Harbaugh would get over the hump, kind of like we talked about earlier. But uh, that, I mean, that's basically it. And I guess Mike Leach as well in the Pac-12. They're the only chance. Um, I'd love to see that three-team scenario fight it out. Washington State, Oklahoma, Ohio State two gets in. Um, if Alabama, just say Alabama, but Washington beat, State lost and they're not even gonna make it to the conference yeah, championship. Exactly. So no Pac-12 for what the third year in a row, second year in a row. So no. Would it be third? 2016, they had Washington. That's but right. It, and 2014, but this will be 30 out of five years, second year in a row. They have not had it, and that's going to probably continue unless something changes at USC. Clay Helton's got to be fired. We'll get into more about firing. Well, too bad he's staying. We'll get more into hiring and firings and who should be fired and stuff like that more on Wednesday and more preview of the conference championships on Wednesday. Second half of the show, I'm going to get a little bit of college basketball, uh, talk some NFL, what happened this past weekend, what happened in Thanksgiving, talk some Falcons, and then we're going to do the State of Auburn program and we, that's going to tie over into Wednesday, too, when we continue on with Georgia and Alabama. But we're going to get into a little bit of it here today. Uh, this is the Sports Maniacs on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. You can call in at 706-507-8617. Follow us on Instagram. When we get an Instagram page, I say follow us on Instagram. I was going to say follow nothing was handed. You don't even have an Instagram page. Follow nothing was handed on Instagram at underscore nothing was handed. Uh, check us out, Nothing Was Handed TV on Facebook right now. Mad Dogs checking in. Let's not forget that Auburn lost to Tennessee. I totally forgot about Yeah, that. there's no doubt. That, that at all, Auburn. At Auburn. Out, two weeks ago before, Tennessee got obliterated by Missouri and Vandy. I was seeing Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt was going to be coach of the year. Now, the fact he still won five games and won those two games with that hot garbage of talent is impressive. but With a bunch of people that really didn't even want to play. Embarrassing loss. The worst loss of the season by far for Auburn. We're getting all that coming up in the second half, but, but before that, we only got about four and a half minutes, and I want to have a little fun. Um, there's a guy in this room, actually two of them, back in 2012-2013, uh, Andrew Bynum was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Iguodala was traded to the Denver Nuggets, um, and Dwight Howard was then therefore traded to the... Los Angeles Lakers, and the Lakers went on to trade for Steve. They got Steve. to replace Kobe. They got on to replace, I mean, they went on to trade for Steve Nash, and 
We have a lot of guys in here. Uh, <clears throat> nothing was handed. You know, CEO, Doc East Wright. Big Imagine Lakers if that fan. trade was made today. Lake, Bigs Lakers fan, guys. Dwight Howard was supposed to be the savior of the new shack of the Lakers. And Kobe exposed him for what he is and ultimately will be for the rest of his career. He's the guy that was on the bench He's like weak-minded. He's weak-minded, and he never took the game seriously. He'll never be great because the great ones in clutch moments don't dick around, don't play around. I hope I'm allowed to say that. What, decking around? Decking around, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, the West came out is Dwight Howard is having relationships with a transsexual um, person by the name of I don't care and will not be saying on the show because I have nothing to problem with you. LA and Atlanta, you don't find anything common there. Thank you, Mad Dog, and you're getting where my drift is going. Houston, I don't, Houston, I don't, Houston's a little weird too, by the way. I don't care <laughs> about what is going on Uh with him and his life when it comes to relationships. Uh, do what you makes you happy, brother. Uh, by all means, do what makes you happy. But when it comes to the aspect of calling him weak-minded because of what he does in a relationship, it's not why Dwight Howard's re- weak-minded. Dwight Howard is weak-minded because of how he plays and look over his career. When tough things get going, he quits. The Lakers, Houston, the Magic, every team, the Hawks, the Bobcats last year, and now he's with the team that the is Wizards. A, that's about to explode. The Wizards. This fine everywhere he goes, you know, there's bad turmoil every the Dwight year. Ebola virus. Um, I'm weak. Dwight Howard making news right now is almost unfathomable. Um, I do have questions about this type of stuff. This is stuff that we can get into on the Facebook Live, not really the radio show. Um, but just go look at what happened with Dwight Howard. I do think it's funny, though, that as soon as this comes out, it's immediate clown Dwight, which I thought he had enough to, to clown about than outside of this than his personal life. I don't like d- diving personally into the personal lives of these players, um, but I do think what is going on with Dwight is funny. Uh, it only makes sense. Is it's what just it, what it's it Dwight. Yeah, to. it just it it goes with what his character has been. Throughout his NBA career. Anything else you want to add? Shout out to Dale Williams, his grandmother, who taught Dwight Howard in third grade in wow. Atlanta. Better say he's from the Atlanta area. Played with mm-hmm. Josh Josh Smooth. Remember Jay Smooth? No. Oh, yeah, I do remember Jay. What am I talking about? Josh I'm, not even Smith? A, I'm not even a Hawks fan. I don't even care. I'm going to be honest. When I really became an NBA fan was 2007-2008. Uh, I mean, I used to love Kobe Bryant, but when I really used to watch the NBA is when the Hawks won on that year, 10 straight years of making the playoffs. And 0708, we traded for Mike Bibby. Lost to the Celtics, who went on to win the championship that year. Remember, in seven games, yep. won every game at home. The next year, we get, you know, we had a decent team with Jay Smooth. We beat the Heat, make it the second round, get swept by Cleveland. That's when I really started enjoying the NBA because of my favorite player, Joe Johns. I saw Joe. I saw Joe. That's my favorite player, him and Kobe Bryant. No wonder, yeah, of course, two similar types. This is <clears throat> the Sports Maniacs here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio and Facebook Live. Nothing with Santa TV. We will be right back. Stay fresh. Stay easy. Stay listening. Keep commenting. Call in at 706-507-8617. And we will be right back better than ever here on 88.5 WCUG. Nothing with Santa TV. Cougar Radio.
Welcome back to the program here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio and Nothing Was Handed TV on Facebook Live. Thank you all for joining us and being a part of the best pound-for-pound sports talk show around. You guys can't hear it, but or can't really see it, but the riff's so ecstatic that Gus Malzahn might be gone in like a week or two. He's so happy. We've been talking about it all year. We'll break this on Wednesday if it really happens. We'll yeah. give time. But right now there is sources within Josh Moon. Who is Josh Moon? No one knows, but apparently he's a good friend of Wendell. And he's got the um, my friend says he doesn't I, what is have the real check contacts. mark? What's the check mark mean? He's verified. Verified. He's verified on Twitter. Josh Moon comes out saying Gus Malzahn is probably going to be uh, fired. It's imminent, and that something's going to happen. If that does, they're saying maybe Bobby Soups gets that call. Clayton is saying he gets his info from two four seven riders and rival riders. So Josh Moon. Yeah. So apparently he's just some fraud, some hack that okay. steals uh, that's who you information. Get, that's your source, Wendell. And that's just what I'm reading on Twitter, and that's what everybody's reacting to. So it's not just me. Anyway, uh, Malzahn may be getting fired. Who knows? Staff changes are imminent, I think. So we'll see how the week plays out. I'm going to get into that here momentarily. Um, the Falcons lost uh, again, just embarrassingly. Um Saints didn't even play well, and they beat us by 14. And the thing is, the Falcons had the ways to win the game. And, and to be honest, if you look at the schedule, Cincinnati should be a win. Cleveland should be a win. Dallas should be a win. The Saints at home should be a win. Four wins from being 4-7, and seven, you're looking at 8-3. and three. This team should be no worse than 8-3 and three right now, at least. Maybe 9-2. and two. And they are done. They're 4-7. and seven. They're not playing for anything now. I think you tank, and you get another... Top draft pick again. Yeah, Andre uh, Baker. Didn't you just trade your number one draft pick, though, for Calvin? Uh, I cannot remember that, but possibly. What a season to have, then. No wonder they don't want to tank. Because if they do, they look like buffoons. Trading for Calvin Ridley and then still finishing the season four and dang 12. Well, we're not going to win a game the rest of the season. Pats and Saints should be fun. Uh, yeah, they're probably going to make it. Jo- Josh Smith, no one better than jacking up a three in, in the clutch moment of the game when the game's tied or when like the momentum of the, of the offense for the Hawks is going good. Josh Smith is good to kill that momentum with a good over-the-head. I mean, it's the ugliest shot in the world, air ball three. Had all the talent in the world, but didn't know but how to who, play within the talent. Who won that series in Houston uh, against the Clippers? Who won them that series? Was it uh, Jay Smooth and Corey Brewer? And Corey Brewer. <laughs> Remember that? Came back from Brony at game James six. James Harden just sitting there sucking his thumb. Falcons will be, ever be a laughing sock of Georgia sports. He's a Broncos fan. Don't listen to him. They're and, a joke, too. You're lucky you beat the Steelers yeah, this past weekend. Is he, Clayton, you can't be excited or ecstatic about the Broncos. Case so, Keenum, Clayton. Case Keenum. You have the That's Chargers 8-3, and, and the Chiefs are 9-2. No chance that y'all make the playoffs this year. Uh, you are, What are they, 5-6, and six, the Broncos? Yeah, I think they're five and six. Yeah, yeah that well, sounds right. The Falcons are done. Um, I don't know where to start with this team. It's coaching issues. It's Matt Ryan making bad, poor decisions. Steve Sarkeesian it's back on his. Matt Ryan saying hut and going back on a pass at the goal line. And the defensive lineman is getting held by our player and tackled to the ground. And he still is able to get him with his off hand to fumble the football. I, I don't know what to say about Matt Ryan other than the fact that 
I think what they're doing in, in Baltimore is what the Falcons should have done last year, which was draft Lamar Jackson or a quarterback. In this draft, it has to happen. Do you agree? Uh, I'm on the Matt Ryan train still. I don't think it's much of his fault. I'm sorry. I just don't think it's much. He's having a great year. Stats-wise, he says he is. But my thing is... Clayton, he already took us to a Super Bowl. Clayton, come on. Come on. But Wendell, my, here's my thing. And here's my thing with Falcons fans. I think in the next coming years, hey, yes, Chancey. we need to draft a quarterback. I totally agree. Um, but will, the, will there be one that's available that the Falcons would want in the first round? Or even the, I mean, possibly the second round. But There's too much talent on the team, no matter what. I is totally in the agree. Secondary, I don't care if it's four string or not. They would be four and seven, and the teams they're losing to are not teams that are playoff bound. It's not like your schedule's been that tough. It's trash. And Clayton Charlie said you draft Sidham. Just curious, give me one bright moment of Sark's career. Mm. Uh, it's not even close, brother. I'll give you the brightest moment there is. It's called uh, what is it called? The Troy. Salute to Troy event, 2015. I mean, it might be the national championship game on that wheel route he called against Clemson. I mean, I know they lost the game, but... I was being sarcastic and saying uh, okay, it was, was when he was to... drunk at the salute to okay. Troy okay. when he should have been fired right. before he was All right. fired. All right. Uh, or it could have been the fact that he didn't show up to practice on Sunday after he gets 60 hung on him against Arizona State in 2015. Or, you know, heck, it could even be the fact that when he was at Washington and he had a quarterback... And Jake Locker, who was supposed to be the number one overall pick in the draft, come back again the next year, only go six and six, Steve. And then he, Jake Locker gets drafted eight because of it. Um, that was seven win Steve there. Seven win Steve, Keith Price. You remember Keith Price, the quarterback? Yep. Thought they were going to win nine or ten games? Mm. Nah, it's seven win Steve. Uh, brightest moment of Sark's career, throwing it up to Julio Jones against Philadelphia. That The best play call he got, three straight plays. One was dropped, the others were just trash. Uh, or one of them being the, the toss in the end zone, De- Devontae Freeman. It's sad, brother. Two straight years making the playoffs. We're talking about, you know, the, the Falcons have so much talent, they, they should sustain success. The Carolina Panthers are imploding. I mean, the the, the wild card is going to only win nine or ten games this year. It was wide open for grabs and... I like I said, the Seahawks are a better team than you think. I said that at the beginning of the year. I got Seahawks and Vikings as the wild card with Cowboys. Uh, so you're saying the Bears, Cowboys, win the Saints, Bears, and the Rams as division winners, and then the other on the AFC: Pats and Pats, Texans, Steelers, and Chiefs. Two wild cards: Chargers, Colts, or Ravens. Colts or Ravens, one or the other. But the way the Colts are playing right now. Six and five. So you're saying the Chiefs are going to beat the Chargers again is basically what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, Chargers and Steelers play at the Chargers. Steelers play at the Chargers this upcoming week, and then yes, Clay, we have the Cowboys. The Name another team. You then you have you Bears and Rams. Make the playoffs in the East. Bears defense against Rams offense. Two weeks. Nobody wants to play the Rams, and I mean, the, excuse me, the the Bears when it's uh, January, December, that type of weather out there. Did Nobody get, wants to play them. That defense for sure. Tell one I said, get off me baseball. I said that when I was 12 years old whenever someone would hit a home run on our team. Get off me baseball. Get off. <laughs> I love it. Clayton, Cow- name another team in the East that is better than they the Cowboys. They just beat the best team in the East right now. The Eagles are terrible. The Giants are definitely tanking. And the Redskins are playing Colt McCoy because Alex Smith ain't coming back. 
So I mean, I mean, the Cowboys with their running game and their defensive line, they have a ch- they have a formula to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, and have a, a third, a, like a, a third seed or a fourth seed for sure. Um, that's my playoff position. Uh, the Monday Night Football game between the Chiefs and the Rams, Very all fun time, game. all time, all time great. Uh, had to record it. Thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with it. Enjoyed watching it. Um, great job by the announcers outside of Jason Witten. <laughs> If he had any uh, anybody else doing his, uh, you know, commentary with his play-by-play, Joe Testator, it would be a great broadcast. But Jason Witten is just unbelievable trash. And you should have saw their promo today for the Titans and the Texans. Uh, it was it's Jason Witten with one of them hats. I forgot how. His hair almost looks as good as yours. <laughs> um, who do you? <laughs> uh, I'm on, no comment. <laughs> Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a saying anymore. He just listed off the like a Bill Simmons segment. He just listed off the the teams they have to play now. Who? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, it's not relaxed anymore. Yeah, there's no there's no four no, six and one. Best give it goes, up. nine six and one. No chance they're making it. It's inevitable that that Mike McCarthy's getting fired. Who's going to come in there? Because what top free agent is ever going Jamal? to Green Bay outside of Reggie White twenty years ago? Unless Ted Thompson. Go. He doesn't he doesn't sign Julius Peppers. But I mean, I, 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 what I'm talking about is in their prom. Yeah. All the, you're seeing Julius Peppers, Jimmy Graham. These are guys that are past yes. when they were completely dominant. Reggie but, White's the only one where he was dominant in his prom, and still then he was 33, 34 years old. No top-notch free agent. This is why, again, Greg Jennings is your best receiver. During this time period, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, these are third-string number two receivers on great teams. I mean, it's kind of like what the Fal- – I mean, because Thomas Dimitrov, the GM for the Falcons, or the – President of Football Operations, whatever his title is, is he's from the Ted Thompson ranks. Ted Thompson builds through the draft. Yeah, and throughout these past ten or eight to ten years, they've been they've had pretty good seasons. But when they're you're only building through the draft and you're getting talent in the late first round that you're pretty much taking a shot on in a way. Yes, they have talent, but you have to you have to fix a lot of things with them. You're you're not going to have a lot of talent in the back end uh, when you have to resign some of these guys or when. You're having to play some of these rookies that aren't ready to play. I mean, they don't go out and get free. It's just that's just how Devontae the Packers do it. It's top seven in the league right now. He, I been, mean, yeah, he, is he the has top. numbers because of Aaron Rodgers. If Devontae Adams is on another team, is he putting up the same? I mean, it's like Paul up? George might be the top top uh, fifteen in scoring, but he's not the best. He's not the best player on a championship team. I mean, I know that's a weird comparison, but I mean, like he's a second guy, Julio he's a second Jones, receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. Newt Hopkins from the Texans. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think, could possibly get there. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Michael Thomas. Mike. Michael Thomas. For sure. Um, Mike Evans, if he can get a competent quarterback. Mike Evans. Anybody? The Eagles? No, nobody with the Eagles. The Chiefs. Tyreek Hill. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Uh, OB, OBJ. I think you, uh, I, I, you could say either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Yeah, Mike Williams, I think, talent-wise. Maybe not stats, but talent-wise. They're playing with Aaron Rodgers. Think about the gaudy numbers. Not yet, Clayton. Not Thielen yet. He's getting there. He's had he's had, maybe, he's had two good years so far. Maybe Thielen, but Thielen's on the same outfit. Stephon Diggs uh, as well. Yeah. Um. So, but or like it's like Kelsey or Gronk or those types of players. Robert as well. Woods is another good yes. one receiver for yeah. So there's a lot of uh, good receivers that again Devontae Adams is. I think he's a number two receiver on a very good. He's Mohamed Sanu. Just yes. think about that. 
Mohamed Sanu is a great receiver, possession receiver. If you're playing with Aaron Rodgers and he's the only option, you're telling me he's not putting up 12, 1,400 yards this year just like Devontae Adams? He is. And look at him. He's number two on, on the Falcons. Shows you what, what Aaron Rodgers is having to deal with. So I think this is the inevitable. We'll talk more when the season gets you know, prolonged. But they're all but done just like the Falcons. And it's sad to say for two teams that, you know, two years ago were in the conference championship are now going on the consecutive years. They're not making the playoff for the Packers. And now another miscue uh, for the Falcons because I thought last year they were the best team in the NFC. The Out of the four teams left, Saints, Vikings, Falcons, and Eagles. I thought the Falcons and Saints had the best two rosters with Carson Wentz being out. And they choked. Choked. The Falcons choked. Also, shout out A.J. Green. We forgot to mention him. Yeah. UGA great, only winning eight games a year because we have a coach that had no idea how to use him. So. Yeah, and Todd Gurley. Let's not talk about it. Brother, <laughs> it's almost mind-boggling. You can say what you want about Zahn. He made Cameron Artis Payne, you know, Trey Mason. Cap, These running backs Trey are Mason. getting named. They're getting drafted. Peyton Barber. I mean, Trey, Cameron Artis Payne and Peyton Barber are both getting significant playing time. Trey Mason was a start at one point before Ty Gurley got there. Uh, Auburn's had elite talent, but nothing compared to Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, and Todd Gurley. Thank God Chaney did something with Michelle and Gurley. I mean, Chubb. But just think about those two running the Malzahn offense, zone read, or Todd Gurley. Power power running Just think about Todd Gurley being in the same backfield as Nick Marshall during that 2013 season. Just think of the numbers he would have put up. Because if Trey Mason is pounding and getting through the little creeks and crevices what do you think Todd Gurley is going to do? And this is what and people he's knew getting, with Todd and remember, Gurley. Remember, Todd Gurley is going to get 25, 30 touches. And think about what Nick Marshall is going to do on the outside with Corey Grant. I mean, you're talking about Barry Sanders-type numbers. In, and he was doing that at Georgia with a with, – they knew when he was going to run the ball. Yeah, and Georgia didn't have the offensive talent None. that Auburn did, offensive line talent, nowhere near. Auburn offensive line 2013, go look at the talent they no, had totally on it. I totally agree. One of the tops of all time in the SEC the last 10, 15 years. Um, 15 minutes left. Sell his I, autograph. You're right, Clayton. What a what a joke it is to sell your your freaking autograph. You're the only no, you're the only university in America. And if you think Kirby Smart would have ever allowed Todd Gurley to be suspended four games into I the agree. prime part disagree. of the season, if you think Kirby Smart would allow that to happen in 2014 when y'all had an elite offensive line, David Andrews, you had Theus, you had a okay okay play caller, and uh, Mike Bobo. Uh, you had an okay quarterback. Hey, J-Rome, chill your, out. Your defense was good. I mean, that team was loaded enough where in 2014, y'all should have 11-1. and one. Your two losses in the regular season, three losses were to Tech, South Carolina, and Florida. All of them finished 7-5 and five or 6-6, six and six, except for Tech. And you can tell what Kirby Smart's doing now with, with a lot of younger guys. Not, not veteran leadership. I mean, there's some, but 68% of freshmen and sophomores. It's unbelievable. So. Well, again, I say college basketball... Um, I'll get into a little bit of that in NBA the last five minutes of the show. But the next nine or ten minutes, I'm going to talk about the state of the Auburn football program. We're going to get into more of that on Wednesday. Um, I'm not even going to talk about what the news came out about Gus Malzahn. I want to talk about what happened this past weekend. What I saw from Gus Malzahn and why I cannot fathom. Did you, why, on, did you watch the entire why, game? Why people are, are coming at me about Auburn does not have the talent that LSU, A&M, Georgia, and Alabama have. I find that completely fabricated, okay? In the back end of the secondary, I'm willing to admit there is a lot of backups that are playing back there. But front seven, Auburn's got just as good as anybody in the country. Offensive line, 
that's development. That has nothing to do because you're seeing I, I don't see Clemson getting five stars every day with the offensive lineman like Georgia is, and look how good their offensive line is. Notre Dame, Notre Dame's had good recruiting classes, but I don't see top notch offensive line talent. Four stars, just like Auburn's got, they got a myriad of four stars. We're talking about the top offensive line, top one hundred. You only see a few of that, brother. So my question to you is if the, there is talent there, and, and, and you know how people are seeing that that you know Malzahn doesn't have a lot of talent, let him let like Dabo, let him learn, let him grow. What coach in their right mind is coaching to keep the game close, not to win? Because that's what I saw this past weekend. 17-14, and you're being aggressive on offense, calling trick plays. Two and a half minutes ago until half, the ball at the 22-yard line, and you're not trying to score because you're afraid Bama's going to score. Second half, you're trying to run the football instead of throwing all over the field, even if it stops the clock and gets Bama the ball back. You're trying to win the game. I didn't see any of that, and the players saw that. The players are quitting on Malzahn. Then, on top of it, LSU, A&M, Auburn, and, uh, LSU, A&M, Georgia, and Alabama all are recruiting better than you. And they're all, you have to play them every single season. You have to play next year, LSU, and at LSU. Don't you have to compete you with gotta Clemson You've got to play at LSU, well. at A&M. you got to play Auburn and Alabama at home. You're having to compete with Clemson. Florida's now becoming elite. But I'm talking about recruiting, but having to play, yes. I'm talking about, yeah, who you're having to play every year in the SEC. You're the fifth best recruiting team. And yeah, you're top 11, top 12 but that's fifth best in the SEC. That's not doing you any good. If he can't recruit, his biggest downfall and critics have been his, has been his development of players. I don't see where this is going to work. Remember the question I asked? I don't see where it's going to work. And if players are quitting and he can't recruit, how is he going to be able to keep up with the Georgia and Alabama, the A&M and the LSUs? Remember the question I always ask? I mean, who is Gus Malzahn developed to put in the NFL besides Cam Newton? And I mean, I hope Carry On Johnson works out because he's fun to watch, and I think he will because I think he's a generational talent. Seventh best in recruiting, excuse me. Yeah, seventh best. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's kind of where the gap is closed with Auburn not being as good on the offensive line and things like that. Uh, I think Gus Malzahn banked a lot on Georgia missing on some of their in-state guys, and Kirby Smart is now locking down the state of Georgia and a little bit of Florida, and he's he's relying on being able to get guys and sneak guys like he. Was in his first couple of years, and it's not going to happen Happened. anymore with Alabama and Georgia. Derek Brown, Derek Brown, both not Georgia and Alabama have upgraded in their staff recruiting wise, where it's not going to happen, and you're going to have to go out of state, out of out of region, and he's not willing to do that as a recruiter. I just don't see where this works, and I see you know names of Bob Soups are coming in the building. I, I don't want to get into the you know I mean, tr- the ifs and the buts and the ands and the whats. I don't care about any of that. But my question again is, outside of you know. The player development, coaching scared is a big issue. And when players know and smell your fear as a head coach, you lose all respect and it's over with. So I don't see where he comes back from this. It's, it's a lot of money. And who knows if they're going to fire him. I mean, the, the heads at Auburn, the, mo- the most powerful guys, the money grabbers, the mo- money go-getters, the, what are they called, the trustees, are they willing to... You know, swallow Malzahn's contract to get a new guy in there. I mean, that's that's there to see. But this Auburn program has a chance to now be the fourth best team in their own division behind A and M, LSU, and and Bama, and then Georgia on the other side. You have to play every year. That that just adds another loss. That would mean 
every other year or every year you're going to, when you're not playing at home against Georgia, that's a loss to put on your record that's going to put you maybe behind Mississippi State or maybe behind Arkansas if they have a good year. I just don't see where, again, Malzahn can come out of this. Um, I'm not going to sit here and bash him, but it, it is something that needs to be corrected soon. So there's something to keep an eye on. But what is your state of the Auburn football program? We got about seven minutes ago. Like I said, what we've talked about, it doesn't develop players and things like that. And like I said, he's banking on Georgia missing on some of these in-state guys uh, in the state of Georgia, I should say, and him cleaning up and getting the scraps. I mean, yes, you might get one or two five-star guys out of the state of Georgia every now and then, like an Owen Popo possibly this year. He's still on the table. He's still committed to Auburn right now. But when you're going after guys like Trey Hill, who played for Georgia this past weekend on the offensive line, who was Georgia, that was their sixth target on the offensive line. The sixth target. That was Auburn's number one target for the offensive line. I, and, and Go ahead. No, sorry. And I was going to say, that just goes to show you, like it, it's not happening anymore for Auburn. It's going to have to take a guy that can go into a, a house, a recruit's house, and show them that, yes, I can develop this talent if you go to Auburn and I can get you to the next level and you can win championships here. Auburn didn't have to win the national championship this year. I agree with you, Mad Dog. Oh, I agree with Expectations that. Expectations sure. not to win the national championship every year. And Saban had up and down years at LSU. I, I completely agree. I'm talking about now him coaching. He has lost himself as not the coach he once was back in 2013. He has not been able to adapt. And I, and I don't see change. He's still yet to change. And until he's willing to change and Nick Saban, the greatest of all time, was willing to do that. He had Nick Saban and won three national championships, is willing to bring in Lane Kiffin and change his offense, change how he recruits, bring in his entire staff last year from winning a national championship because he's willing to adapt and continue to be great. Why will Malzahn not want to do that? Expectations not to win the championship every year. If Auburn is able to win against LSU and up by double digits in the fourth quarter and beat t- Tennessee, this is an 8-4, 9-3 win season. Easily. Easily 9-3 win season. They beat Washington. 9-3, I'm okay with. 7-5, losing to a terrible Tennessee team at home. That has raised your question marks. That's not, not keeping it competitive with Georgia and Alabama because your own miscues. That is a question mark. Okay? I'm expecting national championship every year. But I'm expecting nine wins every single season. So that's, that's the thing, Mad Dog. Who are you going to get? I, I totally, I mean, yes, Gus Malzahn, he's frustrating. And I think that's why I think Auburn fans are the boosters that pay all this money it's every single year. hardest job in America. When you, and maybe when, you can't get anybody. And maybe Auburn fans do would have to accept and it. And when you pay $49 million to a I know they haven't paid all of it yet, but when yeah. you pay $49 million to a coach, I mean, you expect results. You don't expect to, to be medi- like mediocre throughout the next, say, five years just if he stays that long. I mean, you don't expect to go seven and five every year, and you just paid a guy to seven million dollars a year to be one of the highest paid coaches in the country to do this every single every other year. He'll have one good year, and then all of a sudden it's seven wins again. And I, and I totally and I think that's not fair for Auburn fans to be uh, expecting. I know I don't think it's fair for Auburn fans to expect a national championship every year, but I think Auburn fans expect to win ten games every year, which I think they should. Nine or ten wins because is... I think they should compete with LSU and Alabama every single year. Yeah. And now that you throw A and M into the fold with Jimbo Fisher with a recruiter like that, it's going to make it ten times harder. And you're going to have to find a young, maybe not a young, but a guy that knows the South and know, and that can get in there and get these recruits and have that edge like Kirby and Saban and Dabo Sweeney. And Jimbo Fisher have you have to have that edge in the SEC, and it's hard to find uh, those types of guys. I mean, there's only a few, like I said, Kirby Dabo, the year Dan Moore, and those types of guys like that. The year wouldn't look as bad if you didn't lose to Tennessee. 
You didn't lose to Tennessee, and your losses were LSU, even though you should have won, at Mississippi State, who's going to be a top 15 team this year. Good defense, the, the yeah. Elite defense. Um, you beat A&M, who's another top 20, top 15 team. You beat Washington, another top 15, top 10, this 10 team that's going to win the Pac-12. And you lost to Alabama and, and Alabama and Georgia on the road. It wouldn't have looked as bad. You lost to Tennessee the way you lost to Alabama and Georgia where you could have been in the game if a play here or there or better play calling or not coaching scared. That's what I'm questioning with Malzahn. It's not about the winning wins and losses. It's how he's coaching now. Like, yeah. I remember a guy that was booming after every touchdown with confidence and saying, you can't stop me. I dare you to. And now I'm seeing a guy shell of himself, and I said it last year, and he maybe he was able to put like another whole different shell up and able to mask his you know identity last year and win against Georgia and Alabama, but then now his true identity came back again this year. And like you said, it's not a first year thing anymore. Like he's been there what seven years? Yeah. I mean, you have to have your recruits in Ellie. That's part of the job, people. Like I hate when people I hate the argument saying, Well, Nick Saban, if he went to Kentucky, he wouldn't I mean, that's part of the job. I mean, he recruits. Yeah. I mean recruiting is, the players. Is, is Alabama that more uh attractive than Kentucky? No. I mean, no, it's just part of the job. I'm I'm sorry. And he hasn't done that. And he I mean he has talent there, yes, now. But that also goes into the fact that he has to develop these players. And that's shown throughout the years. Yes, he'll yeah. have a good year every now and then, but it's seven, eight wins a year every single time. No. And that's what he is. And there's and that's okay. He's a good I think he's a good football coach. I just don't think he's a head football coach in the SEC at a powerhouse that could be Auburn. That's just what I personally think. No, I agree. I think he's like we talked about before the show, I think he could be a good OC somewhere. And I think he very well could if he has the right guys and he could recruit solely on the offense and only recruit those types of guys. I think he could do it. I think he's a good coach, but I just don't think he's cut out to be an SEC football head coach. He just doesn't have that swagger, kind of like you talked about he needed that he had last year. So, To wrap up the show, when we come back on Wednesdays, you can check us out here on Nothing Was Handed TV, Facebook Live here at the 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio Station. Please share the video, leave a comment. Thanks for being a part of the best pound-for-pound pound sports talk show around. Um, when we come back on Wednesday, more preview, in-depth preview of Alabama and Georgia. Talk some college basketball as well. Get into some NBA talk, what's going on with the Lakers um, and the Jimmy Butler trade. How's that working out for the 76ers? Talk more about the state of Talk more about what's going on with Auburn. Hopefully we'll have more news by Wednesday. Talk about what's going on in the rest of college football, the hirings and firings going around the wonderful world of sports. We have a lot to get into. The Braves just signed Josh Donaldson, so we'll see more signings coming along. And, and we'll Brian get, McCann. And Brian McCann. So we'll get Wendell's take on that and more on Wednesday. So make sure to stay tuned and see you at 6.30 Wednesday night here on Nothing Was Handed TV and Facebook Live. Thank you, Matt Dahl. Thank you for joining us, brother. We'll see you on Wednesday. And, guys, stay easy. Be safe. Clayton, thank you for being a part of the show, guys. Thanks for watching, guys. We will hopefully see you all on Wednesday. Here's a little early preview for everybody listening on the radio, 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. Alabama's going to cover. Uh, Put your money on it. 13 and a half. Every penny to us going to have a field day with that because the run game of Alabama is going to eat up. The front seven Look at of this Georgia. Angry Auburn fan. Can't wait for that. Angry Auburn Can't fan. Can't wait for all the Georgia angry fans. Angry Auburn fan. The, the 60, the 30, 65, 35 Georgia fans that are outnumbered Alabama fans when they sit there and have to suffocate defeat just like they did last so year. So he's blaming the refs just like they did in basketball and look just like they did in Mad Dog, not a chance. <laughs> again, thank y'all again. Uh, appreciate it as always. Love y'all. Be safe. And we will see you on Wednesday. 
Justin Fields. Come home, brother. Jeez. You got a home in all. Quit begging. Just quit begging. The Sports Maniacs here on 88.5 WCUG. Cougar Radio. Another one's on the TV.